Coming live from Pagosa Springs, Colorado, USA is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Peggy Body, writer, leader, founder of Sacred Work. And we'll be talking about several things about leaderships, about employees, and how we can make our workplaces better with better leadership. Welcome to the show, Peggy. Thank you, AJ. I'm happy to be joining you from beautiful Colorado. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And this is good evening from India. <laughs> it, uh, it, you see, this is... This is the beauty of technology. We can talk about a lot of things, a lot of good things, a lot of best practices that can, you know, be shared from within, within our different communities and make our workplaces, our lives better. So, Peggy, you are an expert of these topics. You are a writer. You are a leader yourself. You are a founder of a company. So, talking of leadership today, we have... We are living in a world which was, you know, work from home till some time, some time back. And now there is this hybrid culture. Now, amidst all these things, a lot of people are still, you know, struggling to understand uh, whether work from home was better. Whether, you know, a lot of people say office is better. And now there is this hybrid model coming on. So a lot of leadership is also trying to figure out how to manage things in a situation like this. So how do you see this present situation from a leader point of view? Because you are a leader. And also if you are talking to different clients and employees and all that stuff, what is their take on this? What is your understanding from both point of view? That's a great question. So I am a leader, but I also help um, employees in different organizations deal with things like the hybrid workspace. So I, I kind of have both viewpoints, the leader's viewpoint and the employee's viewpoint. So one thing is for certain, AJ, and that is that the hybrid work environment is here to stay. So I think that everyone is in consensus on that. Um, I think there is some wrestling to see um, exactly what you said, which work environment is best. Um, but my take on it is that leaders can read articles, we can read studies, we can listen to podcasts, but we can't let our assumptions guide our direction. So what I mean by that is each team that a leader um, is responsible for is going to be unique and so I think the most important thing is to go to the source, go to the employees, talk to them, engage them in conversations about hybrid and remote workspaces and ask them what's working for you, what's not working for you. I think what happens is um, as leaders, if we absorb all this external information, then we start making decisions based on that information instead of going directly to the source who are the employees that are impacted. So I really think my viewpoint is, yes, we should be educated, we should be informed, we should have the background knowledge, but the bottom line is the employees that we lead are the ones who are going to be the best resources. 
Right, right, Peggy. Now, let's look at it this way. You have been a corporate leader for over 25 years. And you have spent your entire career mentoring, especially women in business. And now recently resigned from a senior vice president uh, position to become a full-time writer. And now you are doing that. So you have a very good understanding of all the issues about employees as well as from the leader's point of view. In terms of leadership, as they try to figure out which one is the best, better, or whatever stance to take, because a lot of people who are doing work from home, during that time, this great resignation happened. And then this whole tussle still going on, how to get employees back to the workplace with their full commitment, in the sense, mentally. Because a lot of people think work from home was better, but since they have no other option, they are coming to office. Now, that is also not a great situation to be Mm -hmm. in when you are not having your employee fully aligned with uh, whatever is the best thing for your organization in your opinion. So, in a hybrid workplace today, how can a leader do things, support their employees in this hybrid model so that employees feel confident at home like earlier on? And, you know, literally at home, even when it's about an office setting. And also, you know, there is always that work from home model. So it is a big thing for a leader to take that responsibility to bring about, take employees into confidence in this hybrid workplace model. How do they do that? I love this question, AJ, because it's employee focused. And I think that's what leaders have to keep in mind. We have to think about the employee's perspective. So there are a few strategies that I would suggest. And the first one is tying back to communication. It's important to have intentional conversations with employees about their struggles and about what works well. So especially in a hybrid environment, the employees who prefer to work on site are going to have different challenges and ideas than the employees who prefer to work remotely. So we need to step into those conversations and ask questions like, what about this is working well? What is not working well? What's your biggest concern? Um, What do we need to do as a company to help you achieve your goals? How is work and life balance going? So it needs to start with intentional conversations. I think that's the number one most important step. The second thing that's also important is to keep an eye on equity. So researchers have proven, and I think it's human nature, that leaders tend to favor employees that they work side by side with in the physical office. So it's really important to mitigate that. And one way to address it is to review all the performance measurements. I mean, we need to reevaluate how we evaluate. And the reason that's important is um, measurements need to be based on output and results and not dependent on time spent in the office. Another part of a plan to keep the situation equitable is to rethink how we as leaders assign work. We need to make sure that we don't limit opportunities to the people we spend more time in the physical office with, which experts call proximity bias. It's a real thing. Um, So the second thing is to keep an eye on equity. Um, The third thing is it goes hand in hand with keeping an eye on equity is as leaders, 
if we are leading hybrid teams, we should not come into the office every day. Because if we do that, we're sending the message that the only way you can get ahead in the company, the only way you can be a leader in the company, the only way you can be successful is if you're on site in the office, which um, creates that favoritism toward working on site and against working remotely. So we want to level the playing field and we don't want to send that message. So if we're a leader, we should spend time working on site, but we should also spend time working remotely. Um, the fourth thing is, I think, one of the most challenging, and that's to create a strong, um, united team culture. And you mentioned the great resignation earlier. And because of the great resignation and some other factors, there's a good chance that as a leader, the team you're responsible for has never had the opportunity to work side by side in a physical office. So it's up to us to create an environment where there's unity and connection. And that can be as simple as making sure that everyone on the team knows what everyone's working on. What are they working toward? Why? Another simple thing to do is make sure that teams meet on a regular basis. And those short meetings should not just be about work. I think if we give employees the opportunity to have conversations that are more personal and outside of the work realm, then we're saying that we value human connection and relationships, which I think is really important when you're trying to establish a culture, especially in a hybrid workspace. So I think the last thing I would suggest that can really help employees feel supported is to participate in and provide bias training for all the employees. And the reason for that ties back to having an equitable um, work environment and it's important that employees who work remotely, who have flexible schedules, who may have small children at home, it's important that they're not viewed as poor performers. So I think as leaders, it's our responsibility to bridge the gap between assumptions and reality and that outside training can help. So I think if leaders will take those five steps, their employees, um, their hybrid workers will definitely feel more supported. Right, Peggy, right. Well put. And now you see, there is, I think the biggest issue right now is, to my understanding, uh, is that uh, there is a sense of uncertainty in our work environments. A uh, hybrid model was there. They were trying to put things and, you know, bring that sort of a positive uh, positivity to that whole thing, getting back to normal economy is already facing that slowdown recession, if you will. And it's it's a thing everywhere. At the same time, great resignation was still, you know, taking its own shape. And at the same time, white quitting was also happening. Yeah. So, you know, so from the employee side and from the management side or leadership side, they were all trying to figure out things. And then suddenly uh, these job cuts are happening, especially with the big tech and all so mm -hmm. the amount of uncertainty has almost doubled or trebled whatever it is depending on the employee's frame of mind on the type of industry they are in but at the outset it looks like only the big tech but everything that is happening all the changes those are happening in big tech and other companies so many companies are you know working on products with those companies. So, so many employees are also uh, 
becoming impacted by this. Mm-hmm. So how does a leader bring in that sense of positivity in a time which is facing uh, this whole issue of hybrid model, work from home, quiet quitting, great resignation, recession, slowdown, and with so much of questions that needs to be answered? Over to you. That's another employee-centered great question, AJ. Um, I think that as leaders, you know, just taking a step back, I think as leaders, we have to understand that regardless of the economic downturn, regardless of um, what just happened with big tech, employees still have a lot of options and they realize that. So they're going to anchor into organizations that have their act together. So in that storm of the great resignation and hybrid on-site, remote, um, quiet quitting, all of that, in that storm, employees are going to gravitate to the calm. So the companies that are not overreacting to the economic changes, the companies that are not doing massive layoffs by email, um, the companies that have a clear um, strategy for managing on-site or hybrid workspace, that's where the employees are going to, to migrate. So as leaders, I think we're responsible for everything ties back to culture. You know, we're the ones that are the front runners and we are setting the tone for a culture of calm, um, a culture where there's clarity, where employees are set up to, to do their best, where we optimize their opportunities, where we mitigate risk, and I think that now more than ever, employees have, leaders have a huge responsibility to minimize chaos. Um, you know, for me, I am a person of faith. And I think that we are, have been entrusted with employees and we need to do what I call broker hope. So it's my responsibility to navigate employees through and help them understand what it's going to look like on the other side you know, help them hang on to um, hope and not get tied down by the chaos. Because once they do that, they can't, they get burned out, they get stressed out, they can't focus on their jobs. So I think brokering hope is a leader's, um, should be at the top of the list for any, any leader, because out of that hope will come calm and productivity and focus. Right. So how do you see it's it's uh, you are you are a person of faith, but how do employees keep that faith on leaders? If you see the distrust that has happened is that leaders are coming out and saying that, listen, we thought whatever was happening in COVID, there would be a permanency of things that were happening. And so we expected the economy or the whole model to go a certain way. But we are very sorry it went, did not go that way. And all the consultants and advisors and all those things, suddenly the CEO says, no, but I am sorry. How will an employee come to now trust a management or a leader if he or she starts telling stories of positivity? How do you bring that to see Peggy? One is you are forced to work. You have no other option, so you will take a job. Mm-hmm. It's like in another big tech, or you, if you call it, that 
people were fired and again there are reports that they are being called back how do you get their mindset again back fully focused on those on on onto the workplace he feels hurt employee is not a machine you can't yes. so how i am still worried about you know and a lot of people employee i i i can i keep on meeting i talk to people and whatever decisions have been taken it has also impacted a lot of employees in india too mm. indians are a bit emotional lot we understand we are global we can think we can compete with the best but we have our own hearts and our hearts are also in places so how do we understand this part when they are trying to say that listen we made a mistake but few days so, back you were telling us that listen it's all we are the same community we are the family it's almost like a family but it did not turn out that way so my point is that whatever the reason behind it is how do we bring that those two segments together so that the uh, vision of an organization is achieved so that's that's a hard good question but i want to because we're having a conversation aj i want to turn the tables and i want to ask you because i think leaders can learn from what you're saying including myself so i want to ask you in the situation you described what do you wish leadership would have would have done differently because it sounds like oh all these fluffy promises were made it didn't work out and then the response is oh sorry you know we're in this together sorry we made a mistake so what how could that have been different how what could they have done differently that would have been easier for you as an employee to receive and recover from and get back to work what 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 should have been done differently from your perspective my my understanding peggy as a normal very normal individual is that uh employees are not statistics right when when you start telling them that you are part of our very strong community or you are a part of this big family everybody understands it differently you tell them give the same message to their families also when you bring them to your office and bring your family to your office so and you know you bring their kids to the office yeah, there are kinder got those crashes and all that stuff and suddenly one fine morning without even giving them notice you just lock them out don't tell them the first thing then you do is from the very first day don't tell them that you are part of the family tell them you are just employees this is the contract this is the only thing we have got and this will what will matter because you are once you are firing a number of employees at the same time whoever is left within the organization you are telling them listen let's move on we got to bring everything together how will they get that message how will you bring keep them in a positive frame of mind that is also a big challenge that is one thing so you got to be human just because you are in big tech or whatever tech or whether manufacturing or anything or amidst all of much machines do not consider people also as statistics or machines you may be making chatbots you may be making bots but humans are not bots they are humans and they are working for you they got their families don't pass that message to their employees or their families that you are part of our family then let it be 
very clear from them. That is one thing I can see. All those best practices are not going to work, Peggy, if you are not true to your word. And now I am telling you the amount of distrust that is happening is that you may get employees, workers, but you will not get people who will be believing in your vision. Mm. I hear your passion. That is the difference. I hear your passion and and I agree with you. And I, I guess the first thing I would say as a leader is I would never work for a company like that because I could not get on board with that. I think integrity is imperative. It's an important value to me. And just like you said just now, if you say one thing and do something else, it doesn't work for the employee. They're going to collect their paycheck and that's it. They're, they're definitely going to be participating in quiet quitting. So first of all, I would never work for a company like that. But um, I think that the most important thing you said is that humans are not statistics. And I think that ties back to what I said. We can read all the research. We can read the best practices. We can read the studies, listen to podcasts. But unless we have human face-to-face -face conversations with our employees, we are never going to create a culture that's engaged and productive and healthy. We're not going to create a culture that can withstand um, layoffs and economic downturns and uncertainty in the workplace. So again, you know, all of my strategies um, have one common thread, and that is they start with focus on the employee, conversations with the employee. Um, I know leaders are busy. A lot of leaders have a lot more responsibilities than, than leading people. They have other tasks. But you know what I say? Leading is not an extracurricular activity. It's what you're hired to do. So we have to carve out time. And I've been there. I know how busy and full a day can be, but the employees have to come first because the bottom line is if we take care of them, they'll take care of everything else. So um, I hear the passion of the situation you described, and that is extremely painful. It's painful for me to hear as a leader that, that companies um, devalue people like that and that leadership is okay with that. Um, and it would take, I can't even begin to address how to fix that because to me, that culture, the culture, which starts with the leadership is completely broken <laughs> in the scenario that you described. And I, and I feel right. sorry for the people that are working there and impacted by those decisions. Right, Peggy, just look at the situation some months back. Already great resignation was a great concern. Quite quitting is already an ongoing concern. Are they able to tackle it? They are not. The only thing, you know, uh, people may be uh, only hopeful about is about joblessness, unemployment, that we can get hundreds and hundreds of resumes for one particular position. But that is not the best way to hire. No. The whole human resource industry, all those bots that are assisting them in fighting the right resume out of hundreds of LinkedIn profiles, they will have to do that rethinking. You know? Yeah. And that is where that is where you, the biggest thing that is required is to understand that just like if employee is also just an employee, then many of these CEOs are also just mere employees. Mm-hmm. And 
many a times just like few days back some people were being accused of spreading toxic culture they were fired the second day of after some after that 44 billion dollar deal anybody else can also get get rid of that you know like any other situation if you are an employee so make it a better place make it a happy place and the bottom lines will still be taken care of if you were so capable of that you would have done that now don't put that onus on employees in such a manner as if you know one simple line oh we were wrong that's not going to work the world is changing we are getting the x y z generation into our workforce you are not passing a great message to them they believe differently and a lot of leaders are not able to comprehend that rest is i am not see it is not my job to pick something my job is to ask the right questions mm i like that yeah okay and it is up to people like you who can suggest them yeah and that is where you you can come with better ideas as i said as a as a individual as a person who has worked with several of some good companies you know who have met wonderful people in my workplaces and perhaps that is where you know i feel aggrieved about that our young generation is not getting that opportunity of meeting some great people the memories which they can cherish about and take them home you can't call suddenly somebody to your home okay let's have a housewarming party and you know you meet your families and everybody and second day you are nobody you are out that is hypocrisy i'll tell you at least yeah. as an indian i see it that way i will never go to somebody's home and you know and, and betray them the next day i don't do it things like that and so i take things like that so you got to also take cultures when you are doing things like this that's what i mean. yep i like i like the point you made and i think regardless of culture i mean i think it's wonderful that you and i can have this conversation from across the world from you know from each other but i think that integrity is integrity stands in any culture and i once it's breached like you said it's very difficult to to repair that and i do think leaders need a wake up call and unfortunately sometimes leaders don't get that wake up call until they're the ones who are expendable um and that's when they step back and realize that they are no better <laughs> than the employees of the 100 employees they just fired a week ago you know or a thousand um whatever the case may be so um i just i have to reiterate that we have to put our employees first and they will take care of everything else and if we if we say that we're doing that but we don't truly do it then integrity's breached and that makes it very difficult to repair and employees will go elsewhere there are there are a lot more options today regardless of the economy and what it's doing right now employees still have a lot more options than what we give them credit for. We can't act as if our company is the only company that they are going to be able to work for. Right. You know there is a term called imposter syndrome, Peggy. Some yeah. people suffer from it and some people are actually imposters. They may get the position of a CEO, you may get the position of a COO, you may get the position of a CHRO, but you can always be only the pretender to the throne. You can never win the hearts of people with non people centric policies that's the only thing i can say at this point in time that's a strong 
bottom line. And I agree. And that, that imposter will always stick to you forever. Yeah. Everybody has to meet the second time. This is a, this is a small world. Okay, so now let's let's now look at the. I'm not. I've not been fired. I've not been impacted in any manner. No, I I appreciate your passion. Purely as a human being, I have been in workplaces, and I still have many people who are working in different places, including at several places where they have been impacted. Even Indian yeah. companies, several of them have taken the same thing, same line. Oh, we made a mistake. That's not working, and their images have been shattered. They may go out with hundreds of, you know, branding exercises and all that. That's not going to work. I can tell you, if you right. only think that joblessness will be the answer to all your employee requirements, it's not going to work anymore. The world That's is changing. True. It is. It is. Right. Now let's look at another situation born out of COVID, Peggy. Is that micromanagement? Mm. During COVID, we told everybody, work from home, even companies who never thought of this. And then they said, you know, you should, you are competent enough to take decisions. You can manage things on your own. You can do it. And they have been done doing wonderfully. And then suddenly they are coming back to office. Earlier, they were dealing with this issue of micromanagement. There was already so much of stress in our workplaces. It's a global thing. And there was a survey last year itself. It says that as many as 59% of people have been managed by a micromanager at some point in their career. Of the people who reported working for a micromanager, 68% said that it has decreased their morale and 55% claim it had hurt their productivity. Now employees are coming back. For two years, they worked independently and nicely. Now, how do they manage this? Suddenly, they have those managers who were managing things from their own, you know, from their own homes and all. Now they want to feel better. They want to manage them. And that leads to micromanagement. How does an employee deal with that situation? after working from home for two years? How do you see that? That's a great question. So um, a lot of times, you know, different scenarios lead to um, a manager micromanaging and the manager could be inexperienced. Um, the manager could be controlling. A lot of times what happens is our biggest strength is also our biggest weakness. So a lot of leaders are not afraid to, um, to control big, difficult situations, but then they get carried away and want to control everything an employee does. <laughs> so I have coached and mentored a lot of employees who have returned to the workspace, the on-site work environment, and faced exactly what you described. So what I tell them is if you love your job, and this, this is what I've heard, you know, I, I've had people come to me and say, I love my job, I love the company but my boss is not going anywhere and he or she micromanages me day in and day out. What can I do? Cause I want to stay here. I don't want to quit. So I have several tips to help them. And the first one is be proactive about asking strategic questions. So if I sit down with my boss who I know is a micromanager, I'm going to ask questions like what outcome is ideal for you? 
What checkpoints are the most critical? How often should I communicate those checkpoints to you? What information is most important to you? How do you see the communication happening? Um, I think it's important to come out of the gate with those questions because those establish guardrails and guardrails help prevent micromanagement. So the first, the first tip I give is ask strategic questions. So the second tip is to be direct, but stay positive. So I was talking to a young lady the other day and I said, you know, one part of staying positive is don't use the word micromanagement. And she was really offended by that and said, you know, why can't we name it? Why can't we call it what it is? And my question back to her is, do you want to change the situation or do you want to be right? You know, what are you trying to get the last word in or do you really want to change the situation? If you want to change the situation, don't use the word micromanage. That doesn't help. Um, the other part of being direct but staying positive is to give your boss a relevant example. It needs to be something that just happened. Explain how it affects your job. You know, don't get emotional about it and, and express anger, but say, you know, this is what you did and this is how it impacted my ability to do my best work. Um, and keep the conversation couched around that. You know, whatever change you're asking the micromanager to do, couch it in um, the conversation that you want to do your best. And if they do X, you can do your best. Um, and then propose or negotiate a solution that works for both of you. So don't just dump the problem, you know, think about how it could work differently and, and propose that. So that's the second tip. And then the third tip is to consistently over deliver. Um, there's obviously a trust issue. Again, I'm not saying that's right. Um, a lot of micromanagers just want to control, but one way to combat that is to consistently over deliver, you know, always meet your deadline or meet your deadline early, be proactive with communication, um, communicate really important information. If they told you at the onset, what information was important, then make sure you communicate that. Um, and then when you have a uh, a pattern of consistent results that you've produced, then you can use those positive results to leverage change. So those are the tips that that I would suggest. Um, ask strategic questions, be positive, but stay you know and direct, and then consistently over deliver. And I think if you want to be, if you want to choose to stay in a job, I think those tips can help you manage a micromanager. Right, Peggy. Well put, well put. You have answered a lot of questions in spite of my hard questioning, but that's the way I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm known to ask the question that needs to be asked. I and respect that. Answered, yes, and, and you have answered, and, and I, I mean, it's all this thing you have very pragmatically given very good uh, examples as well as, you know, insights as well as strategies to look at different situations both from a leader point of view as well as from an employee point of view so thank you very much for that now how do people organizations how do they connect with you so that they can engage with you professionally also understand even as an employee a lot of people can learn from all the resources that you have you can help them with so how do people connect with you i'm very active on linkedin so I would love it if they would find me there. I also have a private group on LinkedIn, a community of Christian professional women. So 
Um, I would love it if there are any women listening who would like to join that. Um, your listeners can also find me on my website, PeggyBodie.com. And as a ministry, I offer free career and leadership coaching. It's absolutely free. There's no strings attached. So they can reach out to me um, via my website. And thank you, AJ, for these important conversations. I appreciate your directness. And I hope that what we talked about will help your listeners. Thank you. Yeah, indeed, it will help help a lot. Now, my last, I've got one last question, Peggy. Amidst all these changes that we are going through, people keep on recommending books on leadership. Do you think we'll have to have new books on leadership so that there are actually effective change that can happen with the new times? It is a very different sort of question, but what would you suggest our leaders to read now? Hmm. I have read several books recently that um, that have really, I think, stood the the test of time, um, but are also very relevant. And I guess the authors. There are two authors that immediately came to mind: um, Simon Sinek. Um, I have his book. Oh, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits is a great book. I highly recommend that. Um, there's also an author who is a leader called Craig Rochelle. Um, so any of his leadership books are amazing. Um, so those are the two authors that come to mind. I do think that there are things like integrity and employee-centric leadership that are never going to be relevant. But I also think that because of all the changes you and I just discussed, um, new books are in the process of being written. And I think that is one way that leaders can learn um, and, and one way that they can develop other perspectives and strategies is to stay on top of it by reading relevant information. Right, Peggy. Thank you very much. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you. 